Welcome to Veteran Voices, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to those that have served in the United States Armed Forces. Now, on this series, jointly presented by Supply Chain Now, Guam Human Rights Initiative, and the Military Women's Collective, we sit down with a wide variety of veterans and veteran advocates to gain their insights, perspective, and stories from serving. We talk with many individuals about their challenging transition from active duty to the private sector, as well as the big things are up to now, kicking a dent in the universe. And of course, we discuss some of the most critical issues facing veterans and their families today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. And now here's your host, U.S. Army veteran, Mary Kate Saliva. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining us on Veteran Voices. And for those of you who are new to Veteran Voices, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mary-Kate Saliva, and we are gearing up for an incredible episode today. Super excited. But just before we start, we're going to do a quick programming note. This episode is sponsored by Pegasus Logistics. Shout out to them, and thank you so much uh, for your sponsorship of, of Veteran Voices, where we interview those who are serving beyond the uniform. And we are also part of the Supply Chain Now family, where you can, wherever you get your podcast from, Supply Chain Now is an incredible uh, podcast, who also is in partnership with the Guam Human Rights Initiative, a nonprofit that's near and dear to my heart, where they're focusing on human rights issues and through research. So now, without further ado, I want to welcome two of our special guests today before I continue rambling on and on and on and on. Uh, so we just had a great chat for this episode, but welcome to the show, uh, John, JW, John Wayne, John Walding, nonetheless, and Tevin Taylor. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. It sounds like Thank I invited you. like five people to the show, right? <laughs> I've got a new personality, so yeah, you you hit it right. To be on the show, Mary Kate. I, well, thank you both. I'm getting a little like tongue twisted because you know, like I was mentioning earlier, my grandmother takes note about how I always seem to fly in like a bat out of hell. So you know, hair's frizzy for those who are just tuning in. I'm like sprinting in uh, to the show, getting stuck in DC rush hour traffic to make this incredible episode. Uh, so I'm just grateful for for you all for joining me today. Um, and I just wanted to, you know, to kick off for starters, uh, JW, I'm going to start with you about pumping us up with some motivation. Feel free to sing a lyric if you want. I heard you rapping a little bit earlier. Uh, but if you want, just drop uh, some motiv- motivation for our listeners today. So yeah, so the motivation that I always give everyone is uh, I tell the story about my first uh, one of my first experience in special forces at, at third group. And, and you know, when, when you get in there and uh, it's just a total different world than what the conventional army is. And and I never will forget our Sergeant Major Eubanks. You know, he, he was like if, if they had a Green Beret action figure, right, sitting in Walmart that you could play with, it'd be him, right? He's just this big barrel-chested black guy with a raspy voice, high and tight haircut, you know. And you could just tell that that he just was an awesome guy. And, and uh, you know, he, you know, he's been through it all, right? And, and uh, listening to him tell stories, at the end of it, he just said, men, when you're in the foxhole and time gets hard and gets rough and you don't know what to do, all you got to do is dig your heels in, you lean forward and fight hard. And that's what I've just continued with for the rest of my life is just that such a visual, right, of, of no matter what it is, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, what have you, when, when you do get in those uh, 
you know, those dark times or uncertain times or just tough times, you just tighten up that chin strap, you dig those heels in, you just lean forward and fight hard and, and you're always going to come out better. No, I, I absolutely love that. And I, I think that we, we had mentioned before our first time talking about, and we'll get to it later in the show with regards mm-hmm. to the transition, but I'm I'm a couple years out transitioning off active duty and I still feel like I'm I'm leaning forward. Sometimes, you know, face first <laughs> into the into the next thing. But um no, I, I love that a little bit of motivation there to pump us up. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, Tevin. I'm welcome if you want to call a cadence here, but uh if you want to follow up with your favorite motivational quote. I can't follow John Wayne. Um, <laughs> you know, all I can say is the caribou in the background, I don't think was smiling when it uh, saw its last breath. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, my motivation, one of the coolest things is to be on a, a podcast and to join you guys today with John Wayne Walding, because his sacrifice and what he's done for our country, honestly, and not to make this a commercial, but it inspires me, right, to see what he does with veterans, uh, to be part of what he's doing at Gallantry. That's my motivation. So I won't get cliche and read out of a book or give you any other quotes, but uh, I'm just excited to be here today and to, to associate with good people like you and John Wayne Walden. Thank you. I mean, much more motivation than we need than that. But honestly, I second that huge honor. Uh, you know, and Scott, our fearless leader of the supply chain now, the programming, when he told me about this particular interview, I was super pumped up because, John Wayne, you really do epitomize what it means to be that American hero. I'm sure, they're going to have a, a superhero figure lined up after you <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Uh, and, and just, you know, shameless plug there that whoever toy makers need to, to get with John Wayne here, and make his likeness. Um, but right. just super grateful to have you here. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. Tevin, Tevin, that's too nice. And, and I'm surprised you didn't bring up the John Wayne quote. Life's tough. It's even tougher when you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that's my quote, yeah. too. So yeah. I'm going to add you. So that's what we gotta have. Like, we need a placard behind you, Tevin, so you don't, we don't forget that when you're when you're on uh, Zoom calls or video calls. But you know, we had that connection talking about John Wayne, the actor. That's where my name, Mary Kate, came from. Mary Kate Daniger right. from The Quiet Man, uh, John Wayne's movie, The Quiet Man. So it just worked out. I love it. John Wayne and Mary Kate here in the house. I'm just not a redhead, you know, like <laughs> a little toned down on the temper. So, John, for starters, tell us about growing up in in Grosbeck, Texas, because I have never been there, nor have I think I've met anybody. You're the first one, so I'm sure you're you're the town celebrity as well. Yeah, well, you, you know, the you, you're probably right. The only person that I guess would be famous, they're not from Grosbeck, but they're 12 miles down the road in a town of Mahaya, and that was Anna Nicole Smith, right? So that's about as much talent as we get from where I'm from. And and uh, the the town is, it's I jokingly say, well, it is true, though. You know, whenever I was there, you know, we had uh, about 3,500 people in our town, but we had a $10 million football field, right? So it's just a, uh, a small town that loves, you know, uh, America. They love God, family, country, and, and, you know, it just has those old school work ethics. And, 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 um, you know, it was always a place that I say that I'm proud to be from, but I'm never going back to, right. Mm. It's, it's, uh, I'm glad that I got to have the experience of what it's like there, but it really was a a place that, that you learn what work ethic is, that you learn, you know, just, you know, any country values that you have in Texas. And, and, um, 
it, you know, think about a bunch of oil people, you know, a bunch of rednecks and, you know, hauling hay in the summers and hunting in the winter. And, and uh, yeah, it, it was a, it was a good life that, that really positioned me, you know, to be in the, uh, in the army, to be quite honest with you. I'll never forget whenever I was in basic training, I, uh, I always, you know, Ron White eloquently said, you know, he had the right to remain silent, but not the ability, right? I'm the same way. That, uh, I never will forget the, the drill sergeant asking, hey, has anybody done this harder? You know, and I, I raised my hand. I'm like, man, you done two days in Grosbeck? <laughs> you know, not how about hauling hay when it's 100 degrees outside and you got 800 square bells you got to get in the, you know, in the barn by the end of the day. Like, that's hard work. This, all we got to do is run around for a little bit. <laughs> but, but awesome. yeah. I have to ask about what, what you're mentioning about joining the, the army. So I clearly sound a very American town. I think when, when folks from the outs, outside the U S like think of Americans, they do kind of think of the cowboy. And so it sounds like that sort of, you know, up, upbringing and traditional American values. But I have to ask why army, was there somebody when you were a kid, did you, do you have, you come from a line of, of veterans or why army not, you know, Air Force, for example, <laughs> Marines. Well, I want to work for a living. That's why I didn't join the Air Force, you know. <laughs> uh, so the, the, I, I'll give you a longer answer, right? So my first of all, you know, I wish I had a better answer to why my name's John Wayne other than I was born on the 4th of July. So my dad said, and I quote, you had a cool birthday. You needed a cool name, right? So I'm like, well, I'm glad you thought about it, a-hole, right? I'm not stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that that, you know, he did was a huge John Wayne fan. And, and for sure, that was, uh, you know, the uh, wisdom behind the, the 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 namesake. But yeah, uh, that's 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 how I got the name. And, and for the army, I always say I'm 100 percent Texan. Right. My mom was Mexican. My dad's a roughneck. Right. So I grew up oil and tacos. Right. That, that's that's kind <laughs> of what what I how I grew up. But uh we didn't have a big military background. Uh, again, going back to oil, you know, my, my dad was a roughneck. My granddaddy, you know, I don't think he graduated high school and, you know, started roughnecking when he was 14 years old and worked his way all the way up to being the boss of the whole rig. Right. And, and uh, that's, that's, you know, where my lineage comes from. And, and how did I get to the army? It's just an act of God. And, you know, I uh, never will forget, you know, this gives you a glimpse into to my mindset yes. to where I commit, I commit and I go all in and it's a drag race to the end. Right. Let's just, yes. you know, barrel down. And, and so my birthday's July 4th, right. Uh, on July 5th, I, I just realized, you know, that, man, I really need to have a, a better purpose, you know, a job with the meaning. And, you know, like I said, Grosbeck doesn't have a lot of, you know, um, aspiration, right. It's just that small town. And, and so whenever I had that birthday, I was like, you know, I, I really need to do something else, something bigger that meant more. And and just so happened to have a buddy of mine that uh, he was in the army and told me about what he was doing. And, you know, it's funny when, when I first heard, I'm like, man, you got to get up and do PT at 630. That's early. Right. And uh, and, he, you know, I ended up becoming a Green Beret. So I guess I kind of liked it. But. Uh, but, yeah, what, again, year, what year what year did you join? Uh, well, I was in basic training, uh, September of 2001. So if you remember what happened in September 11, 2001, so it goes back to my mindset, right? So July 5th, I realized, okay, I need a real job by August 16th. I was in basic training. <laughs> so within 45 days, I'd already found a recruiter, got signed up, did through MEPS, got a, a date and, and here I am serving my country and, and, uh, the rest is history. Oh gosh. Well, I mean, again, just. That was such a 
unique time for our nation too. And, and for you to be at basic training as a young soldier, uh, but it's still taking with you, instilling all those American values when you first step foot at basic training. I just have to ask about, did you know at that time that you wanted to go into special forces? Like, did you know that you wanted to go in, and be in special operations at all at that time? Or were you just like, I don't really care where, where they send me, where they take me at this point? Yeah. At the time, you know, the recruiter got me, right. He said, Hey, you want to shoot missiles? I was like, heck yeah. Who don't. Right. And, and uh, so I joined the army to, to, to shoot missiles not become a green beret. You know, I, I really was fairly ignorant when it comes to really what the army had to offer. Right. I honestly didn't even know what green berets did at the time or anything of that sort, but you know, I obviously was in basic when the towers fell and, and uh, that, that was a, uh, you know, talk about a catalyst, right. From, from one mindset to the next, you know, that was earth shattering. You, you know, I think a lot of people forget that that before 2001, you know, really the pool to join the army was like, hey, come get some college money, right? Serve your country for a little bit. We'll get paid for some college and all that, you know, GI Bill this and all that stuff. And, and, and yeah, for sure, you know, serve your country is a, you know, significant and the majority, you know, part of the conversation, but definitely you know, there, there is more to that. And that, that's, you know, really what I was thinking at the time, but again, the towers fell and, and uh, you know, I thought it was a joke at first, right. Cause I'm in basic and all I know is the drill sergeants are telling me we're going to war. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we pull back in, start doing guard and everything. And about two o'clock in the morning, we're watching the TV. And, and, you know, at first I was like, man, this is like some Hollywood stuff here. Right. I, Cause I thought they had the TV it was recording to make you think you're going to war, yes. but Finally, about two o'clock, I realized, okay, this is real, and and um, obviously from there, whenever I I realized, you know, I I didn't ever know just how good I was until I joined the army. And going back to the mindset of in a small town, it's a very practical mindset, right? You know, it's not a hey, you can do anything that you want if you set your mind to. It's a hey, you need to get yourself a job. Right. Like get your head out of the clouds, go, you know, go to work. And, and that's kind of always been the mindset that I've had is just, hey, I'm just going to, you know, go to work and figure that out rather than what, you know, what is this awesomeness up here that I can, you know, uh, you know, strive for and hopefully one day achieve. And and until I was in the army and I had somebody, you know, uh, believe in me and say, hey, I think you can do this or, you know, uh, whenever you're in a group and I'm toward the front of that pack, I'm like, wow, I didn't know I was this awesome. Right. And, and uh, I saw my first Green Beret and I saw what they were doing downrange. And, and, you know, that's whenever I had that uh, mindset of, hey, you know what, if he can do it, I bet you I can figure that out, too. And and went to selection uh, in 2005 and, and fortunately, um, fortunately was selected and got to, you know, uh, don the coveted Green Beret about a year and a half, two years later. Oh, that's that's amazing. Honestly, incredible with the, the pathway that you didn't come in saying I wanted to be in the special forces. It, it was something that you saw that. And, and I t tell that to my young soldiers, you know, again, love having another fellow army veteran on the show. Uh, but, you know, I tell my soldiers about that, about just ex exploring their options. And I love when they, they come in and they're all doe-eyed and it's like rainbows and sunshine. They're super hua, super motivated. But you don't realize like that impact that you have on those young soldiers, like when you are doing your job, like you may, the monotony of it may not think it's as cool, but there's those behind you looking up to you and thinking, what a badass, you know, in yeah. the simplest terms. Right, Tevin, I see you looking at it. Uh, did you have an idea really of, well, how do you envision special forces? I have to ask you, you see John Wayne is this like uh, super, superhero, right? 
Well, you know, everything a civilian thinks of special forces is what we see on TV, right? They're always the heroes. They're they're always the ones that dodge bullets. Somehow they have more ammunition than anybody else. That's bad. I lost lights. Um, so <laughs> somebody didn't pay the electric bill here, but you know, special forces. I mean, they're, when I met John Wayne, it's exactly what I expected in the movies. The difference is, you know, you don't know the nitty gritty of you know seeing your buddies get shot. I mean, John Wayne losing a leg. I mean, some of the things you hear about the negative part of war and fighting for your country is people are going to lose their lives. People are going to lose limbs. People are going to have a huge impact to their families and, and their their futures. But, you know, how you take that and translate it into our freedom and what we have today is is amazing. And special forces do to me, they're like not to translate it into logistics and freight forwarding, but they, they're kind of they slide in between the larger elements of, of our, our forces to make sure that we get things done and, and, and America continues to be the free country we are. So, like I said, it's always in the movies. We always see the good part of it, but there's, there's the difficult part too and the sacrifice. And that's, again, that's why I appreciate what I know about John Wayne and what he's doing today. Well, that's one thing that I always try to do, right, Tevin? I'm glad you brought that up. It's because, you know, whatever, you know, if I ever give a speech to a crowd and Tevin's heard me say it, it is, I always say, never believe my resume, right? Because it's awesome, right? John Wayne, born on 4th July, Green Berets, you know, Silver Star, Bronze, all this stuff, right? It, I'm still just as human. And I'm just that little, you know, country boy kid from Grosbeck, Texas, said that uh, we we experience things that, that people never, you know, even fathom. And, and there is a downside to that. And I, I make absolutely sure that when I do talk about my, my service, you know, I give both the good and the bad because, you know, they're, in my mind, they're just as significant, you know, equally uh, significant. And to Evan's point, learn about, you know, the, the grief that we've had to deal with, you know, like I say, but a lot is, you know, the, the army teaches me how to deal death, but not how to deal with it. Yes. Right. And, 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 you know, what a powerful statement that is when you really take a step back and really unpack what that means. Right. Especially, you know, not to, you know, like how I am a 42 year old man, but at the time as a Green Beret, a 27 year old young man. Right. And and uh, having to deal with with such significant life problems over and over and over again. Right. It's not just once, you know, the death that I've had to deal with, most people don't see in three lifetimes. Right. right? And, and so anyway, I just want to make sure that people understand, you know, you know, it's not just to Tevin's point about the, the the movies, right? Which, by the way, Tevin, it's all true. Everything, <laughs> you know, John J. Rambo is just like we are. Yeah, you know, but you know, don't believe in all the all the. We can do the fun stuff, jumping out of airplanes, blowing in doors, you know, night vision, this and all that good stuff. But uh, we do go home to our families and and have to deal with, you know, the uh, the consequences of war. No, that was such a great point. I know you mentioned about how you're, how you're just human, but I, I would dare to say that you're a bit superhuman in the sense that you are still extremely humble. You know, like you have this air of humility about you in addition to all the things that you have achieved and accomplished. And, you know, and, and those who are fortunate enough to come back home, uh, they still struggle to face the world, you know, and, and I think you've you've taken it head on, like you said earlier, with your bit of motivation there that you're still leaning forward and, and knowing that 
how how meaningful, how powerful your story is. And I know we're about to to touch in on that, but I I just wanted to say that you know you say just human, but I I think you know Tevin and I both look at you like you're a little bit super more superhuman than the average human. And I think that you know as you said that, that God given uh, path of yours has been uh, has been a true blessing, and I'm sure has touched so many. And I hope that those listening on the call tune in for uh, you know this entire episode and and re-listen to it because I, I know John Wayne that you're going to share a lot of incredible things on this show. And I wanted to if you could talk to us about uh, that that spring day in 2008. You've taken us now about. Uh, donning the green, the coveted green beret, which is so well known even by the the civilian populace. But now we're a few years in to your time donning that green beret. You share a right. bit more about that. Yeah, you know, and I always start with what is a green beret, right? Just telling people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ninety seconds of you know, really our core function is unconventional warfare, right? And and what does that mean to a civilian? Well, ultimately, it means is we teach them to die for their country than Americans do it. Right. Uh, um, that might not be a politically correct way of saying it, you know, but but that's really, you know, what's that old uh, adage, age old adage of, of saying, you know, teach a man to fish, he feeds forever. Give him a fish, he feeds for a day. Right. Well, instead of sending 100 Americans into a village, right, to go fight a bad guy, why don't we send 15 Green Berets to train a thousand? Right. That that's ultimately, you know, when John F. Kennedy uh, awarded us the the donning of the Green Beret in the 60s, you know, it was our job to go to Vietnam and help the Vietnamese fight the Viet Cong. And and we've done that ever since. Right. And so that day, April 6, 2008, you know, we were fighting with the Afghani commandos. Right. It was they were the uh, Afghan National Army Special Forces and and, uh, had some absolute studs. and, And that's, you know, we trained with them. We lived near them and we fought with them. And, and uh, that's that's what we were, you know, we uh, we were doing a great job with it. And and uh, this this particular day was a kill capture mission with, you know, with our partner force up at 10,000 feet above sea level in the Nuristan province uh, in, in Shock Valley. And if you don't know where that is, if you Google where uh, a lot of people fr- uh, probably remember one of the first thing Trump did when he got in office was drop the Moab. Everybody remembers the Moab that was dropped. Right. Well, that was in the Nuristan province. And um that's exactly where we were. And so, you know, nobody had ever been there, not, not even in the eighties. So the Russians had haven't been there. We hadn't been there in GWAT since we'd been there. And so there's no uh, Intel, you know, pretty much in or around that area other than we got from, you know, some uh, single sources uh, on the ground or, or, you know, any predator to feed on top. And, and so we, we, we thought we were going to get one guy that had about 15 to 20, you know, personal security attachment along with him. And, and uh, unfortunately, we ended up getting a hornet's nest with about 200 to 250, you know. And, and uh, I was the, uh, the SALT Team 1 leader of, of that day, right? So you had a Special Forces team. Again, there, there was 10 of us there. And we all had our commandos that we, that we were in charge of and fought with. And, and I was, it was my job to be the first guy and the first team into this village and lock in a house, right? And and then the next team would come past me, and we would just leapfrog, you know, to the uh, to the objective, right, to the X. And and you know, I was forty meters from myself to the first, you know, building into this village, and we got opened off on. And I always say, well, you know, with an avalanche of gunfire, right, like that, it, within you know, the first ten minutes, which I'm sure we've been talking for fifteen or already, you know, but uh, you know, we had our lead interpreter, CK, he got shot in the throat, died on impact. 
you know, Dylan Bear, he was a our RTO guy in charge of columns up to hire. Uh, pretty important guy, right? He got shot in the hip. Initial assessment on him was 20 minutes to live. You know, then we had Luis Morales, who was our 18 Fox, right, our intel officer. You know, he got shot not once but twice in the leg, you know. And now here we are, you know, for every one guy injured, you're supposed to have two guys to help. So now we got six guys out of the fight, and there's only 10 of us on the mountain. So do that math, right? And and to make a long story short, 15 Americans went up against 250 Taliban fighters. And after six and a half hours, there were 70 danger close airstrikes that were on that battle. Ten silver stars were awarded, which two of those were upgraded to the Medal of Honor. Which uh, and, and then we had eight Purple Hearts. So imagine, you know, a bad day where 10 were on the mountain that day, but eight of us got shot. Right. So uh, if you ever get a bad day at the office, it ain't that bad. Right. And uh, but they always end it with the best statistic of all, which is zero, right? Zero Americans killed. And just imagine, you know, the magnitude of that statement to where, you know, just 10 to 15 guys can go up against 250 and six and a half hours later we win. Right. And and it's just a, a true testament to the war fighters that we have out there fighting for our freedoms. Just like like, wow. Right, Seven. I'm sure this isn't the first time, but first time I'm hearing, I feel like I need a moment. Um, honestly, thank you so much for sharing, uh, John Wayne, and and again for like you said that this running through the statistic there, you know. But there is more than just numbers, and what a a profound thing about no Americans killed, but the the fact that everything was up against you, but. I can see why now that you wanted to start out for, by saying the value of the Green Beret, because, you know, it wasn't like you said, just just having so few against so many, but you all are the elite. You're the, the best of the best. And, and there's a reason why uh, that you all get sent uh, to, to areas such as that. And Tevin, what, what's going through your mind as well? I know you've, probably, you've heard this uh, before, but, you know, just. Your, share your thoughts with our, our listeners as well, if you could. There's nothing like the, the story of what John went through and the other soldiers that day that's more humbling and, and you know, puts you in a place of realizing what what a great place it is we live and, and what sacrifice has happened to get us here, right? I played softball at a company event last night. My boss is in the dugout, and I hear him telling the story of John Wayne Walding. In the dugout to other employees that didn't know this story, right? I worked for a large multinational hundred billion dollar company before going to Pegasus. And I've told people at that company the story of John Wayne Walding because we take, we, we do take for granted at times, um, many times where we are and, and what benefits we have in America. And when you hear that story, you have to put yourself back a little bit and go, you know, July 4th, Veterans Day. Yeah, you, you think of these holidays and a lot of people think of cookouts and fireworks and we got to sit back for a moment. And, you know, John Wayne says it well, where the folks that fought in Vietnam came home and it was a different story. You know, our heroes that come home now, it, it's definitely, you know, we support them and embrace them. But, you know, I've got goosebumps right now thinking about this story and I've heard it multiple times, but it, it, it always has an impact because no matter what you it just your your heart hurts because you know what they went through. And it's just, you know, I'm humbled and appreciative of, of what John Wayne Walding's done and and all the others like him. Right. So there's there's many John Wayne Waldings out there. It's an amazing story. Uh, it, it's obviously got a great ending because we're on the, you know, 
there's some that don't have that ending that, that John Wayne Walding has. But the fact he's turned what he's done into inspiring others and helping others where you hear the story all around you. And, and I want to yes. I want to talk about it. But, you know, going into what he's done at Gallantry Logistics and pushing for helping veterans and taking care of those that are taking care of us. is And that's that's the moral of the story. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and that's you know, I'm glad you brought that up. Right. Because, you know, Mary Kate, uh, it, it by no means is this disrespectful to what I've done. Right. But no one ever asked me about April 7th, 2008. Right. Everybody wants to know about the Battle of Shock Valley on April 6, 2008, with all the, you know, accolades, awards. And, and again, don't get me wrong. It is awesome. But no one ever asked me about the day that I woke up in a hospital, you know, looking at ceiling tiles, terrified. That's what I wanted to ask you. The thought was crossing my mind about even what you said earlier about coming home, because how do you go from that? Which Tevin and I are sitting here and thinking like this is what we see the Green Berets in the movies to this happening in real life for you. And like you said, come from a small country town, like in Texas, small town, Texas, and, and to something like that, what you experience, and then to come home and put on a switch or, or whatever it is to process all that. Like you said, the, the army doesn't teach us that in JFK special warfare. And, <laughs> you know, in Swick, they're not teaching us about that. So yeah, t- tell me, tell me a little bit about that. If, if you don't mind. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. Um, and that's that's like I said before. You know, every, uh, I, I care more about this story than the one other one because that's that's what we're. You know, I always say usually the, the term "so what," right? Yeah. Oh, I did this. So what? What are you doing now? Right? Or oh, I've got hurt. So what? What are you going to do about it? This world, this, this country specifically, right? We and, and we've gotten so divisive. And everybody gets their feelings hurt so much and, and stick their lip out. And they want to be a victim, right? And blame somebody either. I wasn't born here or I didn't do this or they make more than me. You know, this, you know, you can either be a victim or a victor. You choose, right? And, and uh, that that's just my mindset, right? That that where I could, yeah, I could have blamed the army for taking my leg. I could have gotten mad at God, which, you know, by the way, I, I did all those things that, that we normally do. And. You know, uh, but I got over it because I realized that, you know, it's it's up to me on on what I'm going to do with it. And, and you ask the question, you know, the first thing I did was cry. Right. You wake up, you look down and, and you realize the the inevitability of that word. Right. Can't I can't walk for the rest of my life. And and having to deal with that as a 27 year old man, you know, that 24 hours earlier could jump out of airplanes, climb mountains, run a five minute mile, like all of this awesome stuff. You know, now, again, that word can't, I, I've got to deal with and, and I'll try to be as quick as I can with it. But, you know, the first thing that helped me overcome, you know, was my faith in God. Right. Because I realized, uh, you know, still being alive, it just galvanized my faith with him. That, that It wasn't because I got it out of there. You know, I, I gave it to him on the battlefield. Says, hey, God, I can get, you know, I, this is all I got. And it ain't enough. And, and if you if I make it out here, it's because of you and. And uh, and fortunately, I did make it out of there. And so, you know, that that faith really, you know, it took the why me's away because because we all had the why me's. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, why, why is this happening to me? Right. I'm a good guy. I don't do this or that or whatever. You know, why is this happening to me? And, and, and 
knowing that that first and foremost, the arrogance to think that this is my path that I'm on, right? It, it, it's not. It's his path. And it's just my job to do the best that I can on where God has placed me. And and so I changed that question. I still ask questions. It's, it's, it's perfectly okay to question God, you know, but the question instead of why me, it's, it's what are you teaching me? Right. What's the lesson here? Yeah. You know, what is this that, that I need to learn and, and praying to, you know, frankly, that we all need is what we need is patience. <laughs> right. Americans, I want my money and I want it now. Right. And, and I want to know now. And, and rather than just having, you know, the, the, the patience to endure what you're going through and then learn what that lesson is. And, and for me, the lesson ultimately is that you gr- always grow when you struggle. Right. Just absolute fact. And, uh, you know, it's a struggle to be one legged, right? It's a struggle every day to have to put my leg on, deal with nerve pain to, you know, I start in my day in a wheelchair every day. That's a struggle. And and the lessons that I've learned from this struggle are just absolutely just phenomenal. You know, the first one, you even mentioned it and warms my heart that you said it. It's humility, right? You know, um, uh, Tim Kellner put it best. He says, you know, Tim, uh, that, that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less, right? And, awesome. and it's such a powerful statement. And, and uh, you know, again, there, there's a lot of ego when it comes to a lot of accomplishment, right? I did this, I did that, I did this. And, and you know, you start to trick yourself into thinking, man, I, I got this, right? And Yes. And, and to not have this, like literally not have a leg and, and to get, you know, force fed that humble pie, you know, it made me realize, holy cow, you know, uh, we can always argue about who's stronger, but we're always stronger together. Right. And, and that's what taught me that that humility. And, and I'll always have that posture going forth that that whenever it's me and Tevin talking or, you know, whatever the deal, if we're working a deal, you know, it's not about who's leading. It's about how are we doing this together? And, and uh you know, that struggle taught me humility. Uh, the next thing it brought me was, how about gratitude? Yes. Right. Here, you know, was grateful to wake up today. I know I was right. You, you talked about having traffic in D.C., right? What about being grateful that you have a car to be in traffic to begin with? Right. right. Or, or gratitude to have the dollar amount to pay for the gas to drive the car. Just all Absolutely. those things that people just really don't have. And, and uh Again, because I struggle with being an amputee every day, I'm grateful for every single step, right? Because it could be worse, you know. I, instead of being, a, I'm a right below knee amputee. I could be an above knee amputee. I could be a double amputee, right? I could have no arms, no legs, like Travis Mills, you know. Like you know, we we um, this 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 country has gotten so in this you know cold a stack of stupidity of just chasing happy. Right. Because, you know, we're all about being happy. Right. And just be happy and just all this. Well, you know, happiness is tied to happenings. Right. Something mm-hmm. good happens. You're happy. Right. Something bad happens. You're sad. And right. If you're always just chasing happy, you're just going to continually help, you know, let yourself down. And, and and joy is really what you want. And that comes from gratitude, you know, and, and um, the, the last thing that really this struggle has taught me and is why I'm bringing it up now. It's vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? Tell me an alpha man that wants to talk about being vulnerable, right? That's always an uncomfortable conversation. They don't want to talk about it. And, and I, I'll dive right into it. I, you know, uh, I got no problem with it. Why? Because I've talked a genuine and, and significant value of how great it is to ask for help, right? Cause I'm in a wheelchair. I've got to ask for help. Even if something as trivial as my daughter, bring me a cup of water. 
right? Or or my wife, hey, you know, I really need your help. And and, and year after year of, of learning just how much better you are when you do, you know, humble yourself to be vulnerable enough to to ask yourself. I'm Mary Kate, you know very well, you know, that we lose 22 a day to suicide. And and, and yes. you know, you, we know that number is a lot bigger than that, but that's just the uh you know, the, the, the stereotype that we've gotten and, and how many do you think we could save if we just had them that get, just learn the vulnerability to say, I need your help. Absolutely. And, and so that's why I'm so open and honest about, you know, just the value of, of dealing with that, you know? And so you asked about the transition and I'm being very long winded, Mary Kate. So by all means. I was like, you know, you just mentioned that I even almost struck, a, just struck a chord with me too. Cause literally on my way stuck in DC traffic, I was on the phone with military one source trying to find out resources about counseling for, you know, for one of my soldiers that's, that asked for help earlier today. And so it's just, mm-hmm. you know, just knowing what's out there, but having that, that courage to ask for help. But one of the things too, that's been sticking out with me as you've been talking is, is that sense of purpose that I can hear in in your voice that you, you, you have are empowered by this, but I'm not ignorant to, to think that every combat veteran or any vet, every veteran at all believes in, in God. But I think that there's a lot of, of power to be said in that. And forgiveness is another one that really stuck out to me because like you said you, there was a point, like you said, the first thing you do is cry, but there's a point where you're angry. And I think just that, that forgiveness piece is, is really tough for a lot of us. And once we get down to like forgiving ourselves, I know you mentioned that no American was killed, but in some cases there are Americans killed and, and there's that survivor's yeah. guilt. But that forgiveness piece is so important. And my my favorite hymn is is Here I Am, Lord. And, you know, it's like I've heard you calling in the night. I will go if you lead me. And I, you know, and I, I just love that hymn so much. And, you know, I, I sing it in my head when I'm ruck marching, you know, when I'm scared to death jumping out of airplanes. <laughs> you know, I think that song, <laughs> I never feel closer to God than when I'm about to jump out of an airplane. Um, but I, I, I just wanted to highlight that because I, I think it's powerful. There's power in, in faith. There's power in believing. And, you know, for, for those of us who believe in God, there's that, but, you know, even if they just believe in a higher power in general to help get them through that point and forgiveness is, is one of those. Well, well there, you know, there's power and purpose. Yes. Right. Agreed. And we all have a purpose, right. And to your point, whether it's God given or, you know, uh, I jokingly say I'm not trying to tell you what to believe in Buddha or baby Jesus. Right. But uh, there's definitely a purpose for you being here. And, and, and you know, I'll, I'll circle everything to your initial question, which how did I transition? Well, that's how you start. And, you know, yeah. you know the service members got to know that that uh, you're only as, you know, good to others as you are to yourself. Right. And, and it starts with just having that brutal honesty with yourself and, and, and really every single day get one percent better. Right. Just start working at it and start working at it. And the better you get, the better you're going to be able to help people. And, you know, and, and that's what uh, has has led me to where I am today, right. With, with uh, the partnership with Pegasus and, and with Gallatry, you know, um, that, that 1% better, you know, when I got out of the army, you know, I didn't have a job, you know, at one point, you know, I was the lead instructor for Chris Kyle's company, you know, uh, which I thought was awesome that the Navy SEAL needed a green beret to teach for him. Right. You know, the, yes. that, but the, um, before then I didn't have a job and uh, I, I got up every day and you know what I did? I left, mm. you know, and it was actually a contention point with my wife and I, because, 
I didn't have a job. You know, I live in Dallas. It costs a lot of money to drive on the tollways and gas. And, you know, we don't have a lot of money. And she's like, hey, you need to stick your butt here and save money. And I said, babe, for my entire adult life, I've gotten up and gone to work. I don't know where I'm going right now. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to do. I'm going to be able to tell you when I come home, but I promise you it's worth it. Right. And, and uh, fortunately, you know, again, meeting this guy that met this guy that met this guy that knew Chris Kyle and, and, you know, got me a job there. And, and ultimately, you know, uh, what was a great time there, but, but he unfortunately passed. And, and uh, after that, you know, I, I got introduced to the, the owner of, of Pegasus Ken Beam and, and uh, his his love for veterans and, and helping others is, you know, absolutely unparalleled and second to none. And he's one of the guys that, you know, a lot of people want to, you know, at one point, they just want to say they love vets, put the shoulder on or take a picture and everything. And, That's true. you know, but they don't they don't want to put their money where their mouth is. And uh, Ken absolutely do, did that. And, you know, we talked about because he asked me what my purpose was. You know, and I never had anybody ask me that before. Right. Before it was like job, J-O-B. That's when, you know, got to got to go to yep. work rather than. Yeah. Not what do you want to do in life? It's like, wait, hey, what's your purpose? And and ultimately, that's what gallantry is. It is my purpose. You know, the mission of our the purpose of gallantry is to provide the next mission. Right. I know firsthand what it's like to have great Americans like Tevin, like Ken and all the people there to just give me that hand up and re- genuinely want to help me, you know, for, because of my service to this country. I want to forever give that back. Right. And, and not only do I want to give that back, I want to give it back on a significant level. Right. Instead of just taking a guy out fishing, buy him a fishing pole. You know, what does he do? Right. He puts it in the corner and looks at it and says, dang, I wish I can go fishing. You know, I, I want to not only give him a job or he can afford his own fishing pole, but bring him into a community that he's missing from his service. Right. Just, hey, come on. I know that you had that there. Let's build this here. And, and so the culture and and community that, that Pegasus has is absolutely second to none. And I just want to bring people in, give them that culture, give them that, that sense of purpose and to know that we're going to hire as many veterans as possible. And, and uh, yeah, that, that's, that's what gets me pumped up every single day. That's my why. I, I love, I love that. I mean, yes. And I think that's just a great, great plug there for our listeners to, to really dig deep, to find your why, like take that time. You mentioned patience earlier. Um, and, and I think there's a level of once we've experienced, and I keep saying the badassery that we felt when we were in the special operations community, you know, you're still part of that community, even once you hang up the uniform, but there's something in us that we want to continue serving in another capacity. And we sort of flounder, we may continue driving in circles until we find that purpose. But damn, like once we find it, like, you know, nothing to hold us back. Right. And and I continue to see uh, veterans doing incredible things. Um, you know, you mentioned about Pegasus and, uh, I, you know, Tevin, if you could come on and just share a little bit more about your work and your mission. And I'm going to then circle back at John Wayne about his live to give and what he's working on. But Tevin, please share. Absolutely. I'd love to, you know, Ken Beam, you know, he mentioned that uh, John Wayne mentioned Ken Beam, who started the company back in 1994. He, you take a, an amazing leader like Ken that cares about people, wants to make a difference in people's lives, and also be very client-centric. So this yes. little company started in 1994 and in 29 years has grown to you know over half a billion dollars. I went from a white glove service where you're trying to do in deliveries and, and do a lot of the, the niche things that some of... Uh, the high value type of uh, customers need to now we're a, a full end to end logistics company. 
I was actually brought on to look at contract logistics and warehousing. And we've got 23 sites. I'm in one of them today, 3 million square feet. And it's, it's amazing to me because everyone that I know in the industry is like Pegasus. We haven't heard of Pegasus. You, you, you came from this large company to Pegasus. Why? And honestly, it, it comes to the core values. And I love our core values because you, you see a lot of mission statements and you see a lot of core values and you're like, does the company really live that? Is that really kind of what they're doing? But you know, our core values, the first one is we want to be fanatical and passionate about customer satisfaction. And we really are. It's like whatever we can do to make that customer happy, let's figure it out. And every everyone's all hands on deck, make it happen. And the other thing is there's no zero sum games. Everybody wins when you do business with Pegasus. And if everybody's not winning, we got to figure out how everybody wins. It means the customer wins, we win, suppliers win. Um, we look at tomorrow today. So we're always trying to, to figure out how we can do things differently, how we innovate, how we create things. Um, and the last two things, it's, it's not for everyone. It's only for the best. So, you know, Pegasus is a very unique environment. We work very hard. We play hard. Um, it's an environment that I've never seen. It's it, a lot of entrepreneurs in the company. Uh, we empower the people to to make change and to to deliver that customer satisfaction. And last and most importantly, the difference is fun. We we have fun at Pegasus, and uh, you know it's just it's great being here. You know, I, I I tell people 27 years into my career, I started in 1996. Uh, I'm just shocked it took me this long to find the company that fits what I look at culturally and what I want to do. And I think this company is amazing. And all of a sudden I find out about Gallantry where, you know, Gallantry, uh, Pegasus really helps power Gallantry's business. Um, John mm-hmm. Wayne drives a you know, diversity owned company. We help him on the transportation and logistics side. And I met him. I go, gosh, I don't think it can get any better than this because <laughs> it matches up to exactly what our core values are. And John yeah. Wayne, his personality and everything he's doing, it's like, this is, this just, this is awesome. So, you know, a little bit of a pitch there, not trying to do that, but uh, that, that's Pegasus in a nutshell. So it's, you know, amazing company, good times. Oh, I love that because it really is a match made in heaven. And I know our listeners weren't as fortunate as me to, to get to talk to you all in depth as I did prior to the, this reporting. Uh, but to, you two are hilarious. You know, I just start off with that. Like, um, and so I love what you just said too about having fun, but there, there's a level of, of purpose there and, and synergy and matched values. Um, and, and like I said, I, I hear it in your voice, Tevin, and I hear it in your voice, John Wayne. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't always get people, um, that, that I interact with that can say that they genuinely love what they do. And, and what a blessing that is that you both get to say that and, uh, and get to do it together. So, uh, you know, John, if I could just, you know, if you could just circle back about your advice, I know you'd mentioned it to me on our, our first call, um, just advice for those who, who are transitioning. And then if you could, you know, go, go right into what you're doing now with live to give. Cause I, I think that's something that even those in transition, just going to feel super inspired by what you're working on now. Yeah. The, the biggest advice that I give to those that are transitioned is just don't give up. Right. Like, you know, uh, was in, embrace the suck. Right. That's something that we, we learned. Oh gosh, that hasn't changed. since. <laughs> you know, it, you know, the suck in the army is the suck in the civilian world. Right. And, and, and just realize, you know, really not a couple things. Right. One, have a realistic expectation. 
right? When, when you're, you're getting out at, at the pinnacle of your, you know, your professional career in the military, but uh, don't expect to translate exactly that into the civilian world, right? You, you got to come back down a little bit to build up. Uh, yes. Yeah. I own a company and I'm the CEO and got, you know, people hired and it's awesome. We're doing, you know, millions in revenue and all that stuff. But guess what I did when I first got here? I sat in a cubicle next to a 20 year old kid learning how to route freight. Right. Like I, I humbled myself to realize I know where I want to be. Right. I got out here, but I'm going to come down here for a little bit and, and uh, you know, again, humble myself to learn the business at least no, enough to know that by the time I, I'm really taking the reins on this thing that I can. Right. So right. so just have that realistic, you know, don't give up is the first thing, you know, have a realistic expectation. And again, ask for help. There's there are so many people, not only that can help, but genuinely want to help. You know, that's one of the things that I've learned since being, you know, I got shot 2008. And, and from that day to today, you know, uh, when I first, you know, went, went on a, a wounded veteran event and, and uh, these people wanted to give you this or take you here or whatever, it really is awkward, right? You don't want it. You don't, oh, I don't need this. I don't need that. Well, I started realizing that it's not about me, right? It's about us. Right. They can't serve. They can't go down there and pull that trigger. But I can. But what they can do since I went and did that, they can help me afterwards. Right. And it really is a two way street. So this is something that that not only, you know, can they do it, but they want to do it. So, you know, get over yourself a little bit and allow that person to help you. And you, I'm telling you, you're always going to be better for it. Right. Because it's just a win win situation you know, to Tevin's point. Right. That that their culture, if you if you notice what their core values are, they sound a lot like special operations. Right. It's only for the best. Right. Looking yep. for tomorrow. So we're all about technology. You know, we're we are fanatically and passionate about what we do. Right. You know, I promise I didn't become a Green Beret because I like it. I did it because I love it. <laughs> if I only liked it, I quit because it's that hard. You, you know, and, and guess what? It's fun being a Green Beret, right? And so there, there's a lot of, uh, of synergies that, that we have. And, and it, why? It's because I've, I've asked for help and I went into there and they, they've helped me, you know, uh, get me to where I can. And, and because of that, we're going to hire a bunch of people. And, and uh, so that's one thing, you know, the quick three things that I, I tell people, you know, that are transitioning is just don't, don't give up, you know, uh, have a realistic expectation, right? Just be that you know, that thing and then never, you know, get over yourself and, and don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, I love that. And, it, and what I was actually picturing at the the tail end of what you just said was um, thinking about those those ruck marches. I remember when I was at at selection you know, for PSYOP, I saw a team of of SF guys going at SFAS going by and you know here we are like taking a knee with our small packs and and I I swear this guy had to have been carrying 90 pounds on his back and I just couldn't believe like he was hunched over but he he was carrying it and and he wasn't much taller than I was but he was carrying that weight and I, I just think about that about how they ingrain it in us to carry our own load and and that sticks with us even when we're transitioning out that we got to carry our own weight. Like this is our problem, not somebody else's. This is my family to take care of. I'm the breadwinner. I got to figure this out. I got to find answers myself. Um, but there's that also that aspect of the team. And, you know, and, and I stick of that that time where I was I could feel my my body starting to shut down from the wear and tear on this one ruck march. And I had a soldier walk by and he pulled out a piece of pound cake out of his cargo pocket. I don't know, probably from an MRE. It didn't even have any wrapping on it. He just hands it over to me with his dirty hand. 
I just took that little piece of pound cake and put it in my mouth. And I was like, brother, you just saved my life. I feel like, you know, it's just such a small example of just how, you know, he saw <laughs> dire need is a, just a, just a funny story there of, and, and just helping me. But yeah. in all seriousness, I think that of that analogy of just, getting ingrained in us to carry our own load. But in this, in this case, it's okay. Like you said, it's okay to cry. It's okay to know that you you've reached what you can do at that time. It doesn't mean that you can't get stronger and better and and have the answers laid down the road, but it's time to ask for help and it's okay to do so. Yeah. And if something bad happens that again, don't quit, right? Yeah. Everybody, everybody's had a bad haircut before. doesn't mean you stop getting haircuts. (laughs) that's a great analogy too i can visualize that one (laughs) yeah so if you you know uh, go out there and you do ask for help or you know this opportunity you thought was great didn't turn out to be great well just keep trying you know it'll get there that you know the that just that relentlessness of of never quitting never give up like we learned in the military just transfer it to the civilian side and and you're going to be better for it like you know so going back to you know so when you asked me about live to give you know that's uh, something that I founded uh, a few years ago with a few other people that, you know, the whole purpose of that is, you know, to uh, we give, you know, we want to be like the Newman's own for veterans. You know, when you go into whatever grocery it is, you see the Newman's own, well, they give, you know, their proceeds to charities. Right. And, and that's what we want to do. You know, every bottle of, of water that you buy, we give half back to veteran and first responder charities. Right. That's just that. we want your hand, you know, three inches to the right, take it off smart water, put it on live to give. Mm-hmm and change lives, you know, and, and that's, we got a great team doing that. You know, um, I'm definitely focused on the day-to-day in, in uh, gallantry and that's where I, you know, do the majority of my time, but I'm, I'm the unfortunate face of the franchise for, for Oh yeah. Come on. And, tell, uh, tell us, John, where, where's live to get, where, where can um, listeners find, find what you the work that you're doing? Is it all over? Yeah, we're a regional company right now. We are, we are in uh, uh, HEB, 245 HEBs, a lot of stuff in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And and uh, we're trying to get into AFES. Uh, so if you know anybody at AFES, <laughs> let, let us know. I tell you, it's, it's easier to fight the Taliban to get an AFES, right? I, it was one of those things. I, I never, I didn't know it was so hard to get into there. It would be a slam dunk, right? You mean you give back to veterans? Sure, come get on post. And, and uh, But uh, it's it's been a, a, a tough ride there. That, uh, <laughs> We thought, but, oh my goodness! Yeah, no, I, I love that. And um, and uh, for Gallantry Global Logistics, so um, you know, mentioning uh, some of the the work, Tevin, that you're doing with with John Wayne. Was there something, anything y'all got stewing right now that you wanted to to highlight? You know, we, we're we're working on a lot of uh, you know, obviously large government contractor type of uh, scenarios, but you know, look if. If there's an opportunity for anyone that's got freight moving and there's a consequence of failure and they need a company to support them and give them kind of the white glove service, if you will, look, that, that's, that's what we're targeting. Not every customer is right fit. So, you know, I would say you know, there's usually a little velocity and volume to the, the shipments as well. But the cool thing here is John Wayne and I, we can jump in and, and support our customers. And, you know, those that uh, need some support, they can they can reach me. It's very easy. T Taylor at PegasusLogistics.com. And I don't usually nice. give my phone number out when my, the lights go off in this building. But I will <laughs> say this. Everyone has my old phone number from my previous experience. And it's it's baffling when people reach out to me on LinkedIn and say, hey, I've called you 10 times. You're not reaching back out to me. I'm like, my phone number changed. So 
I would say this, go to my LinkedIn, uh, my new phone number's out there, but I uh, would love to engage with any clients. Thank you so much. And and uh, we'll be sure to, you know, to, to put that on our, our site as well and our post of, of how folks can reach out to you. And, and John Wayne, I did want to loop back about what you said about supporting first responders, because, you you know, we've, we've been talking this whole time about veterans and the, and the transition. And could you just highlight real quick about what made you include first responders as well in what you're doing as far as giving back? Yeah, I mean, that's a very easy answer, right? Because yeah. they're the ones that protect us here, right? We go and protect those uh, 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 off the soil. And if, if we don't have police and fire, we're, well, we're one, one incident away from anarchy, you know, and, and, and they go and they, you know, hold that front line here just as much as we do over there. And, and so uh, it was just a, a very natural and easy, you know, conversation to have when we, uh, you know, started this about, hey, okay, you know, where's our left and right limit, right? Who are we going to help? You know, it's hard getting Air Force in. We're like, ah, I guess we'll let them in. You know, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> it, it was it was real easy, you know, uh, conversation to say, hey, we need to have the first responder is, you know, personally, you know, my wife's whole side of her family are all first responders. And, and uh, yeah, and, and it's just so, you know, something that that uh, we all got to make sure we remember. No, I love that. And and you, it's, you're, you hit the nail on the head talking about they're they're the ones fighting here at home on the home front. So, you know, protecting both and and making sure that those resources are available to them require funding, right. For it to support veterans and first responders, whether it's their transition or beyond, or even those still donning the uniforms. So, you know, thank you so much, John Wayne and Tevin. I, I know I could continue talking to you all day and we may have to invite you and welcome you all back anytime to uh, join us on Veteran Voices, where we continue to interview veterans serving beyond the uniform. And you are certainly doing that times uh, ten, tenfold. So, John Wayne, how can, how can our listeners get a hold of you? How can they support your efforts? Where should they go? That's a good question. Uh, definitely, you know, gallantrylogistics.com is the website for our, uh, our logistics company. Uh, obviously, I, I've got, I don't do social media. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those guys I kind of run from all that. And uh, uh, But I do have a LinkedIn, so you can look me up on LinkedIn. I don't know if it's private or not, but, uh, you know, I'm not on there often, but definitely reach out to me there. And, and, uh, and yeah, that, that's how you get in touch with us. Fantastic. And um, yeah, and Tevin, anything I know you say you're about sharing the old number. Did you have anything else about as far as how folks can? Are you on LinkedIn? I mean, as far as I know, uh, we're connected on LinkedIn, but are you welcoming everybody listening? Yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm a LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, I, I won't say the word, but yeah, I absolutely use LinkedIn quite a bit. I, I'm in sales. You, LinkedIn is the best tool to be connected in the network. So I, I absolutely. Yeah, he's use awesome. It. Yeah, it's it's a great tool for me. I'm on Facebook and Twitter, but I don't use it. It's just, uh, I'm the guy that just looks at it and goes, gosh, these people are kind of silly. But well, Tim, uh, I'm so glad that you dressed up for us today too. Thank you so much. for. Uh, <laughs> I got a haircut. I almost shaved. I took a shower. It was just for John Wayne. Yeah. I, I feel like it took me three months to grow this beard. Look at him. He's a grizzly looking. <laughs> I trimmed on his. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Mary Kate, you've been awesome. I'm not used to being so quiet on these, but I don't need to talk. I got John Wayne Walding. He's got the greatest story on the planet. So this is the first time I've done a podcast, and I literally had to bite my, my tongue because I have nothing to say compared to what he's going to tell you. 
No, I don't know about that. But, uh, you know, honestly, <laughs> both both of you have been such a joy. And uh, that's why I feel like we almost need like a comedy run because it's just like fire, <laughs> rapid fire here. Like how quick you guys are <laughs> to come back at each other. But I mean, that's that's what that's the love and the brotherhood underneath all of it. Right. It's like, yeah, there's the, the business piece, the for profit piece that keeps the lights on. But there's there's this piece that's, you know, willing to drop whatever you got going on to uh to help one another out and so that's that's why i love doing this that's why i love connecting and bridging that gap with our listeners with folks like yourselves john wayne american hero here thank you so much again for your service and sacrifice and and to your wife your daughter your family for you know standing by you through the thick and thin you know just wanted to shout out to them as well because you know i i think that just the family piece is so important and um Right. And and sending out that that God bless to everybody. You know, everybody tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning into Veteran Voices. Tune into wherever you get your podcast from and, and please join us again to hear more stories from other veterans continuing to serve beyond the uniform. Uh, and, and with that, I thank you all. Uh, do good and be the change that's needed. As John Wayne said, you know, go out there, find your purpose and, and don't quit. Don't give up. Uh, we'll see you all next time. 